Part 4. The Last of the Spirits The phantom approached, slowly, silently. It was shrouded in a deep black garment which concealed its head, its face, its form. It seemed to scatter gloom with every step. Scrooge bent down on one knee, could only see an outstretched hand. He felt that it was tall and stately when it came beside him, and that its mysterious presence filled him with a solemn dread. "'You are the ghost of Christmas yet to come,' said Scrooge. The phantom did not answer, but pointed onward with its hand. "'You are about to show me shadows of the things that have not happened, but will happen in the time before us?' Scrooge pursued. "'Is that so, spirit?' The upper portion of the garment moved. This was the only answer he received. Although he was becoming used to ghostly company, Scrooge feared the silent shape so much that his legs trembled beneath him, and when he prepared to follow the spirit, he could hardly stand. "'Ghost of the future!' he exclaimed. "'I fear you more than any I have seen, but as I know your purpose is to do me good, and as I hope to live to be another man from what I was, I am prepared to go where you lead.' and do it with a thankful heart. But, please, won't you speak to me? The phantom made no reply. It just pointed its hand straight ahead. All right, then, said Scrooge. Lead on. Scrooge followed, and then the phantom's robe circled around him, lifting him up and carrying him along. Suddenly they were in the heart of the city. Merchants hurried up and down, the phantom stopped beside a group of businessmen. Observing that the hand was pointed to them, Scrooge leaned in to listen to their talk. "'No,' said a very fat man with a monstrous chin. "'I don't know much about it either way. I only know he's dead.' "'When did he die?' inquired another. "'Last night, I believe.' "'I thought he'd never die.' "'What was the matter with him?' asked a third. "'God knows,' said the first. "'What has he done with his money?' asked a red-faced gentleman. "'I haven't heard,' said the man with the large chin. "'Left it to his company, perhaps. He hasn't left it to me. That's all I know.' "'It's likely to be a very cheap funeral,' another man said. "'I mean, I don't know of anybody to go to it. But I don't mind going if a lunch is provided.' They all laughed and walked on. Scrooge knew the men and looked towards the phantom for an explanation. The phantom led him to the next street, where two other men were talking. Scrooge knew these men. They were men of business, very wealthy and of great importance. He'd always made a point of treating them well, that is, in a business way of treating someone well. "'How are you?' said one. "'How are you?' returned the other. "'Well,' said the first. "'Old Scratch has got his own at last, eh?' "'So I'm told,' returned the second. "'Cold, isn't it?' "'Seasonable for Christmas time. "'It is. Good morning.' "'Not another word. "'That was their meeting, their conversation, and their parting. "'Scrooge was at first inclined to be surprised "'that the phantom should attach importance to conversations "'apparently so trivial. "'But he was sure that they must have some hidden purpose, "'and he set himself to consider what it was likely to be. "'They could scarcely be supposed to have any bearing "'on the death of Jacob, his old partner,' for that was past, and this phantom's interest was the future. 
and he couldn't think of anyone immediately connected to him to whom these remarks might apply. Still, he resolved to treasure up every word he heard and everything he saw, and especially to observe the shadow of himself when it appeared, for he had an expectation that the conduct of his future self would give him the clue he missed and would help him solve these riddles. He looked around for his own image, but another man stood in his usual corner. That gave him little surprise, however, for he had been thinking hard about changing his life, and he thought his absence from these streets meant he had done just that. They went next into an obscure part of the town, where the streets were dirty, the shops and houses needed paint, and the people were badly dressed and ugly. The neighbourhood reeked of poverty and misery. They came to a shop where iron, old rags and bottles were bought. The floor was covered with piles of rusty keys, nails, chains, hinges, files, scales, weights and scraps of iron. Sitting in the centre was a grey-haired rascal, nearly seventy years old. Just then a woman with a heavy bundle slunk into the shop. She was followed by another woman and a man in faded black. They all seemed surprised to be meeting one another there. The first woman threw her bundle on the floor, looking with bold defiance at the other two. "'Every person has a right to take care of themselves,' she said. "'He always did.' "'Very true,' the other woman said. "'Who's the worse for the loss of a few things like these? "'Not a dead man, I suppose. "'If he wanted to keep them after he was dead, "'why wasn't he nicer when he was alive?' the first woman said. "'If he had been, he'd have had somebody to look after him "'when he was struck by death, "'instead of lying gasping out his last hours alone by himself.' "'That's the truest word that was ever spoke,' the man said. "'It's a judgment on him.' "'I wish it was a little heavier judgment,' replied the woman. "'She turned to the shopkeeper. "'Open that bundle, old Joe, and let me know the value of it.' "'The others had the same idea, and soon there was a new pile. "'A pencil case, a battered watch, sheets and towels, two old-fashioned silver teaspoons, a pair of sugar-tongs, a few boots, even a blanket.' "'Is blankets?' asked Joe. "'Who else is, do you think?' replied the woman. "'He isn't likely to take cold without them.' Scrooge listened to this dialogue in horror. "'Spirit,' said Scrooge, shuddering from head to foot, "'I see, I see. The case of this unhappy man might be my own. My life tends that way now. Merciful heaven, what is this?' He recoiled in terror, for the scene had changed and now he saw a bare bed. Under a ragged sheet there lay something covered up. Then a pale light fell upon the bed, and on it, unwatched and uncared for, was the body of a man. The slightest raising of the cover would have revealed the face. Scrooge thought of it, felt how easy it would be to do, and longed to do it, but he just could not bring himself to do it. "'Spirit,' he said, this is a fearful place. In leaving it, I shall not leave its lesson, trust me. Let us go. The phantom pointed to the head. If there is any person in the town who feels emotion caused by this man's death, said Scrooge, show that person to me, spirit, I beseech you. The phantom spread its dark robe before him for a moment, like a wing. When he opened it, it seemed to be daylight, and Scrooge was in a room with a mother— and her children. She was expecting someone, and she seemed quite anxious, for she walked up and down the room, 
jerked at every sound, looked out of the window, glanced at the clock, and could hardly bear the voices of the children in their play. At length the long-expected knock was heard. She hurried to the door and met her husband, a man whose face was careworn and depressed, though he was young. There was a remarkable expression in it now, a kind of delight of which he felt ashamed. He sat down to the dinner that had been waiting for him by the fire. "'Is it good?' she said. "'Or bad?' "'Bad,' he answered. "'We are quite ruined?' "'No. There is hope yet, Caroline.' "'There is, if he changes his mind,' she said. "'Nothing is past hope if such miracle has happened.' "'He is past changing his mind,' said her husband. "'He is dead.' She was thankful in her soul to hear it, and she said so with clasped hands. In the next moment she said she was sorry and asked for forgiveness, but the first was the emotion of her heart. "'To whom will our debt be transferred?' I don't know, but before that time we shall be ready with the money, and even if we aren't, no one would be as hard on us as he was. We may sleep tonight with light hearts, Caroline. Yes, soften it as they would, their hearts were lighter. The children's faces were brighter. It was a happier house for this man's death. Here the only emotion that the phantom could show Scrooge was one of pleasure. "'Let me see some tenderness connected with a death,' said Scrooge, "'or that dark chamber spirit which we just left now will be for ever present to me.' The phantom conducted him through several familiar streets, and as they went along Scrooge looked here and there to find himself, but nowhere was he to be seen. They entered poor Bob Cratchit's house, and found the mother and the children seated round the fire. Quiet. Very quiet. The noisy little Cratchits were as still as statues in one corner, and sat looking up at Peter, who had a book before him. The mother and her daughters were engaged in sewing, but surely they were very quiet. And he took a child and set him in the midst of them. Where had Scrooge heard those words? He had not dreamed them. The boy must have read them out, as he and the phantom crossed the threshold. Why did he not go on? The mother laid her work upon the table, and put her hand up to her face. "'The colour hurts my eyes,' she said. "'The colour? Ah, poor tiny Tim! They're better now again,' said Cratchit's wife. "'It makes them weak by candlelight, and I wouldn't show weak eyes to your father when he comes home, which should be soon.' Peter shut his book. "'But I think he has walked a little slower than he used to these few last evenings, mother.' They were very quiet again. At last she said in a steady, cheerful voice that only faltered once, I have known him walk with Tiny Tim upon his shoulder, very fast indeed. Ah, so have I, cried Peter, often, and so have I, exclaimed another. So had all. But he was very light to carry, she resumed, intent upon her work, and his father loved him, so it was no trouble, no trouble, "'And there is your father at the door.' She hurried out to meet him, and Bob in his comforter came in. His tea was ready for him, and they all tried to be the one who helped him to it. Then the two young Cratchits got upon his knee and laid a little cheek against his face, as if they said, "'Don't mind it, father. Don't be sad.' 
Bob was very cheerful with them and spoke pleasantly to all the family. He looked at the work upon the table and praised the industry and speed of Mrs. Cratchit and the girls. They would be done long before Sunday, he said. Sunday? You went today then, Robert? said his wife. Yes, my dear, returned Bob. I wish you could have gone. It would have done you good to see how green a place it is. But you'll see it often. I promised him that I would walk there on a Sunday. My little... "'Little child?' cried Bob. "'My little child?' he broke down all at once. He couldn't help it. He left the room and went upstairs into the room above, which was lighted cheerfully and hung with Christmas. Poor Bob sat down, and when he had thought a little and composed himself, he went down again. They drew about the fire and talked. Bob told them of the extraordinary kindness of Mr. Scrooge's nephew, whom he barely knew once. They had met in the street that day, and Bob had shared his sad news. "'I'm so sorry,' Scrooge's nephew had said. He had given Bob his card. "'If I can be of service to you in any way, that's where I live. Pray come to me.' "'I'm sure he's a good soul,' said Mrs. Cratchit. "'You would be surer of it, my dear,' returned Bob, "'if you saw and spoke to him. I shouldn't be at all surprised.' Mark what I say, if he got Peter a better situation. And then, cried one of the girls, Peter will be keeping company with someone and setting up for himself. Get along with you, retorted Peter, grinning. It's just as likely as not, said Bob. One of these days, though there's plenty of time for that, my dear, but however and whenever we part from one another, I am sure we shall none of us forget poor tiny Tim. Never, father, they all cried. "'And I know,' said Bob, "'I know, my dears, that when we recollect how patient and how mild he was, "'although he was a little, little child, "'we shall not quarrel easily among ourselves "'and forget poor tiny Tim in doing it.' "'No, never, father,' they all cried again. "'I am very happy,' said little Bob. "'I am very happy,' Mrs. Cratchit kissed him. "'His daughters kissed him. "'The two young Cratchits kissed him.' and Peter shook his hand. "'Spirit,' said Scrooge, "'something informs me that our parting moment is at hand. I know it, but I know not how. Tell me, who was that man we saw lying dead?' The ghost of Christmas yet to come brought Scrooge to rooms where businessmen gather, but did not see himself. Indeed, the phantom did not stay for anything, but went straight on. "'This is where my business is,' said Scrooge, "'and this is my house.' Let me behold what I shall be in days to come. The phantom stopped. His hand was pointed elsewhere. The house is right there, Scrooge exclaimed. Why do you point away? The finger didn't move. Scrooge hastened to the window of his office and looked in. It was an office still, but not his. The furniture was not the same, and he was not the figure in the chair. The phantom pointed as before. They reached an iron gate. Scrooge paused to look round before entering. A churchyard. Here, then, the wretched man whose name he had now to learn lay underneath the ground. The phantom stood among the graves and pointed down to one. Scrooge advanced towards it, trembling. "'Before I draw nearer to that stone,' said Scrooge, Answer me one question. 
Are these the shadows of the things that will be, or are they the shadows of things that may be only? The phantom pointed downward to the grave by which it stood. The way men live suggests how they will end, said Scrooge, but if they change, the ends will change. Say it is thus with what you show me. The phantom was immovable as ever. Scrooge crept towards the grave, and following the finger he read upon the stone of the neglected grave his own name, Ebenezer Scrooge. Am I that man who lay upon the bed? he cried upon his knees. The finger pointed from the grave to him and back again. No, spirit! Oh, no, no! The finger was still there. Spirit, he cried, tightly clutching at its robe. Hear me! I am not the man I was. I will not be the man I must have been. Why show me this if I am past all hope? For the first time the hand appeared to shake. Good spirit, he pursued, as he fell down upon the ground before it. Assure me that I yet may change these shadows you have shown me. Tell me I can change my life. Now the hand trembled. I will honour Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year, Scrooge cried. I will live in the past, the present, and the future. The spirits of all three shall strive within me. I will not shut out the lessons that they teach. Oh, tell me I may sponge away the writing on this stone. In his agony he caught the phantom's hand. It sought to free itself, but he was strong and held on to it. And then the phantom shrunk, collapsed, and dwindled down into a bedpost.